Did you hear the talk of a possible war? A nuclear war? Yeah, right, a nuclear war where we all perish? All nonsense. Where did you hear about this nuclear war? I read it somewhere. Where? On social media. Social media, really? India and Pakistan. What if Pakistan drops a nuclear bomb? They have one. As if nuclear bombs are child's play. It's not like tossing a firecracker, is it? Hold it straight. What will happen to the birds if there's a nuclear war? We'll all die. Where will they go? They'll also die when the migratory kites come. Gosh, they'll find so much food here. Will they eat us also? They'll eat bodies. They don't care if it's human or animal. They just want to eat. Our bodies will be scattered all over. They won't migrate immediately. There'll be so much radiation at first. But when our bodies have rotted by then, it's not like a nuclear bomb explodes and then all goes back to normal. The radiation stays for years. Wait, won't the birds also get infected? Of course. Welcome, folks. Today, we're soaring high with all the black kites of Delhi in the Oscar-nominated documentary, all that breathes. So buckle up, because this is one flight you don't want to miss. Wow, talk about a chilling conversation amidst a tender moment of hair. It's a stark reminder of the world these brothers live in, where the threat of nuclear fallout is a part of their everyday reality, sort of. And yet they find a way to inject a bit of dark humor into the situation, imagining the kites feasting on the aftermath. That is a testament to their resilience and their unique perspective on life and death. But let's not forget the real question here. Would the bodies rot before the kites got to eat? Now that's a thought that's going to stick with us. So brace yourself, folks, because we're going to be diving deep into this fascinating world of all that breathes. Greetings, lookers. We hope you're ready for a journey that soars higher than a black kite over the smoggy skyline of New Delhi. Welcome to this edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine, the podcast that's one part movie discussion, one part game show where we never know what we're watching next. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me on Twitter and most social media with the handle at Red and Media One. Just look for that red M icon. Welcome to the fourth episode of Series 12, Yes 12. We've finally reached the number of labors that Hercules had to complete. And just like him, we're here to tackle each task with determination and wit. Though hopefully with a bit less wrestling uh, with the uh, mystical beasts. Uh, there will be five episodes in this series, and the series theme is documentaries for which we've all secretly submitted one movie. Now we all guess who submitted what in our Who Done It segment, 
And at the end of the series, the winner is awarded a Who Dundee trophy along with a bonus prize. And this series prize is a $50 gift card. But that is not all, because you are the X Factor. Yes, there's also an audience choice selection somewhere in the mix. So please go to redheadmedia.com slash audience choice, submit your pick, and we may watch and discuss your movie on the show. Again, that's redheadmedia.com slash audience choice. Now, today, we'll be discussing Everything That Breathes 2022, which is a documentary feature film currently streaming on Max. Welcome to this very special episode. Today, we'll be discussing all the breeds of film that's part bird documentary, part human drama, and 100% proof that Delhi's air pollution isn't just bad for humans. And joining me are my co-hosts, who, much like the brothers in our film, have a knack for nursing injured movies back to health with their insightful comments. They're the wind beneath my wings, the Nadim and Saud to my black kite. Please welcome my co-hosts. Howdy, gang. We somehow made it through that. Howdy. Howdy, man. Howdy. We, I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With us today, she is simultaneously credible and incredible. The anomaly, Cat. The Kite Whisperer, Ramirez. <laughs> hey, y'all. Just like I'm always real with my friends and family, always keep it real with y'all, too. As always, grateful to be here. Very grateful to have you. And the provocative one, Mr. Devin Skywatcher Swartz. Oh, the game is most certainly on. The Kite Game. And my good friend, the incendiary, James, feathered friend, Pepe. Hey, it's me. Someone finally noticed my plumage. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Plumetastic. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent plumage, my friend. Welcome, everybody. So before we take flight with our discussion, let's check what's been nesting in the news today. Extra, extra. All right, let's check what's been nesting in the news headlines. So, Kat, what bird's eye view of the news did you catch this week? Yeah, so uh, one of the headlines that caught my eye um, was this one, and it said, in shocking news, man takes love for career over love from wife with no signs of remorse. Um, someone said that, like, the writer was bitter from personal experience, but uh, it was just a mere observation, general observation this writer had, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Their POV. <laughs> That's great. And uh, how about you, Devin? Did you spot any headlines soaring above the rest? Uh, well, yes. Yeah, as, as a former food writer, you know, I like to frequent the uh, food review section of the paper. I found this little this little one here. Uh, New Delhi on 4th Street criticized for their turkey club tasting of smog in plastic bags. <laughs> <laughs> new Delhi. I got to try that New Delhi. <laughs> yeah, it's a great New Delhi. Just don't get the turkey club. <laughs> I get it. Those words sound the same as the other word. What, what do they call that? <laughs> I don't know, man. What do they call that? <laughs> Is it a homonym? I don't know any of the word. I'm going to be an English teacher. I should know that, but I don't. I know. Yeah. Oh, well. Write to us. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Quick, 41 notices. James, <laughs> is there any news that swooped down 
and grabbed your attention, sort of like your spectacles? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I found this headline. Uh, it just said, um, movie about birds makes India seem like total bummer. <laughs> 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 right. Well, that that's pretty much. Yeah. Was that a real yeah. headline? Because that <laughs> basically summarizes it. Yeah. <laughs> well done, sir. And well done, everybody. Great. Always, always love those. So I guess that wraps up today's headlines. Now let's give this a little context uh, in a segment that I like to call the rundown. There's the rundown you asked for. I may have expanded some areas that you weren't prepared for. Great. But I think... Fax that to everyone on the distribution list. Um, sure. Do you want to look at it first? Do I need to? No. No, no, I just want to make sure we have the same format. Got to get that format right, Jim. Our boss, Charles Miner, just demanded a rundown and... Poor Jim from the office just handed the dossier over to our very own Devin Schwartz. So let's see what Devin has for us on Everything That Breathes. Take it away, Devin. Yes. So Everything That Breathes, the 2022 documentary film uh, directed by Shonak Sen, who uh, is previously known for Cities of Sleep in 2015, uh, his only other uh, director credit. And uh, he's producing uh, either an upcoming or recently released uh, movie called The Underbug. I assume it's also a documentary, but I have not looked into. Uh, it follows the lives of three uh, men in New Delhi, Salik Rahman, uh, Mohammed Saad, and Nadim Shazad, uh, as they run a bird rescue uh, with a personal focus on the black kite, a uh, native bird to New Delhi that is threatened by its increasing pollution. Uh, the film has a 7.0 on IMDb, as well as a uh, 99% on the tomatometer and a 83 from audiences there. Uh, and it also was nominated for uh, an Oscar for Best Documentary Film, uh, as well as a BAFTA, and won a Cinema Eye Honors Award. No idea what that is, uh, but it won. Well, I'll ring it up anyway. Uh, yeah, of course. Oh, did it win more than that? Are you summarizing? Uh, well, uh, yeah, Shonak Sen, who only has those two films under his belt, has 14 wins and 25 nominations total. I imagine a lot of them wow. were for this film. Uh, so, yeah, he, he won probably Had across be, a yeah. lot of the smaller, uh, probably a lot of film festivals. I would imagine this would blow up at film festivals. So, so he, he didn't win the Oscar, though. No, did not, unfortunately, win the Oscar or the BAFTA. But, uh, you know, honor to be nominated. Okay. As they say. Yeah, yeah, uh, it is. That is it for the rundown, but let's move on to a little fun down, as I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> fun down time. Uh, today I've prepared for, pre prepared for you a little game that I call Two Loons and a Kite. Uh, okay. <laughs> you, will, you will all be using your lower thirds for this as well as your buzzers to lock in your answers uh, so be prepared uh, the rules of the game are simple I'm going to give you three birds uh, three species of bird two of them I have made up out of my own imagination one of them real bird you must identify the real bird lock in your answer to win a point okay Okay. 
Uh, I will also be putting them in text on the screen here for anyone who's viewing and for my uh, my, my co-hosts here so they can see and remember these names because they're uh, some wacky. First up, <laughs> we've got the tiny Sky Tyrant, the medium Sky Tyrant, and the large Sky Tyrant. Okay, so before I answer, only one of these is true? One of these is real, yes. You are trying to find the real. One of them is real. Okay, cool. I'm locked in. Yep, you can't just stop with the letter. You don't have to type the whole name. Just, you know, it's just a... Okay, are you locked in? You're locked in. Uh, reveal your answer. Cat has voted A, the tiny sky type. Uh, Pepe has also voted tiny, and so has Ben. You are all correct. Uh, the yay. tiny sky tyrant is the real. <laughs> tiny! I was going to say, mine was an aspirational guess, because I hoped that that was the right one. Uh, okay, number two. The thumb beak, the brown nose, or the go away bird? Whoa, I hope it's C. Locked in. Ben is locked in. Me too. So has Pepe. Reveal your answer. Yeah. Got a brown nose. Yay. Two brown noses. And a thumb beak. Unfortunately, you are all incorrect. Oh, the no. The answer was the go away bird. The great, <laughs> the the one great I was go hoping. away bird. That's the what great, I get for not following my instincts. Bird. Okay. These birds have silly names, Devin. <laughs> yeah. All tied up at one so far. All right. Number three. We've got the sagging tit, oh, the old gray tit, or the penduline tit. Which tit is the truest tit? <laughs> penduline and sagging don't mean the same thing? Okay. Pepe is locked in. Ben is locked in. Reveal your answer. We have <laughs> three, it looks like three old gray yeah. tits yeah. here. We have three old gray tits. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we were looking for oh, no. penduline tits. No, that can't be. Oh, fancy. Old gray tits. Like? She ain't what she used to be. Describe describe this bird to us, Devin. Uh, I I have not describe it. What is the bird? I feel like I would know it the... if I saw it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Based on the name. Uh, number four. We've got the horn build. Oh, these are cut off settings. So long. The horn build sky screecher, the fluffy backed tit babbler, or the gray feathered flycatcher. Oh man. Every every bird is just called a tip. That's what I'm going for here. That's what I'm banking on. I'm with Pepe. 
right. locked in. Everyone's locked in. Reveal your answer. I just went with the weirdest sounding name. We have two. Ben and Pepe have gone with the fluffy backed tip babbler. Cat has gone with the gray feathered flycatcher. Ben and Pepe, congratulations. Yeah, see, yeah, I told you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> who do you think was the first guy to name a bird a tit? And who do you. Like, he's clearly an ass man. His, Right? <laughs> he just walked into a room with his, his with his other like bird loving buddies and was like, hey guys, I discovered this bird. And they're like, what are you gonna call Had it? you have been a group of like 10 year old boys or something? <laughs> yeah, right. Just his professor father just tasked him to do this thing, you know? Shouldn't have <laughs> <Yeah>. trusted him. <laughs> All right. Number five, we've got the Canadian plow, the European oh, hell yeah. shag, or the American fuck. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm, I'm sticking. All right. Uh, I think I'm wrong answers. on this one, but I'll make a joke. So. Answers are logged in. Review. We've got I one. I went with uh, Pepe for the shag, Cat yep. for the plow. And yep. uh, Ben for the plow, it was the shag. Yeah, I, I thought so. Um, I thought so. Well, so I'm think? sorry that I wasn't correct with Canadian plow. When that, when that guy discovered this bird and walked into a room with his buddies, told him about it. This is the same group of 10 year olds. This is the, this is, do you think this is the, the tit guy also, or do you think this is a different guy? <laughs> probably, probably a different guy. Yeah, they you all got weird thing. Yes, so English people. They're they all, all of the same they mind. Things weird. Yeah, they do. All they right, like to have number fun. Number six. Yeah. We've got the red rumped bush tyrant, the blue eared sky bandit, or the black tailed lake dictator. <laughs> so some of these, Devin. <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> you never know. I am so. Not with these wacky birds. Yeah. I still I mean, want to I go let, with C, but I let American fuck slide without comment because it was. I mean, I, uh, I knew I knew it was hyperbolic, but come on. <laughs> uh, all right, reveal your answers. We've got uh, two, but Cat and Pepe, the red rumped bush tyrant. Looks like three for the red rumped bush tyrant. Fun fact: that's what they called me when I mooned uh, at the beach. That is correct. Wow. How'd your rump get so red, Devin? Oh, you don't. Still doing community service for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It, he did something else, and then his community service was to have his, his bum paddled so that it became red. <laughs> yes. And then he had to display it. It was part of the community service, yes. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving right along. Number seven. We have the trumpeting engineer, the loud miner, or the quiet prospector. <laughs> So, Devin, before the show, you were boasting about how you could do this for hours. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's been a steady drop off of these. <laughs> of the likelihood of these, uh, of, the, of the credulity of these names. Now, watch me fucking fuck this up so hard. <laughs> I know, it's all that fuck. Yeah. 
All right, are you ready to reveal? I can't choose, hold on. Oh, oh shit. I, I'm with you on that, Cat. This is a tough one. I'm going to copy if you I know, they're going to copy. No, I'll reveal mine. mine. Mine's in there. Okay, I'm good. Right, we don't, I mean, you know, it's not like Devin revealed the answer yet. So. <laughs> All right, we have two for the Loud Miner and Cat standing alone for the Quiet Prospector. Pepe and Ben, congratulations. Yeah. Nice. Back it up by smack talk here. So that Pepe, you're ahead by one point. I don't know the whole thing. And then Kat, you're trailing by one behind me, I think. Yeah, I believe so. Is right. that correct, Evan? Yeah. Uh, I believe we'll, we'll so. I'm, I'm keeping track of the total scores, but yeah, I didn't have an That's cool. one. Should have. Uh, all right, number eight, the confusing swallow, the bizarre sparrow, the perplexing scrub wren. <laughs> Either way, this bird is mysterious. Oh, man. That is locked in. Ben is locked in. I left mine up. My bad. Oh, man. Are we revealing? Reveal. Okay. okay. If cat for the confusing swallow, uh, Pepe for the perplexing, perplexing scrub run, and Ben for the bizarre sparrow, all separated. This is great. Wow. Uh, Pepe, congratulations. Yes. Whoa, Pepe. I know Hold my the words. Yeah, you do. What? Which one did you choose again? The, the perplexing scrub perplexing run. yeah yeah okay i try to stay away what's from perplexing about swallows. it <laughs> <laughs> like to know what i'm talking <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah that's pretty good yeah final question played on question both. nine counts sir the tedious loon the monotonous lark or the shy pigeon Oh, this is a tricky one. These are all, well, one of these seems to be clearly not a real thing, but I'll, I'll keep it to myself. Just <laughs> all right. All right, we're all locked in. Reveal your answers. Pepe for the tedious loon, cat for the monotonous lark, and Ben for the tedious loon. Cat, congratulations. It is the monotonous lark. Oh, yeah, finally. Ooh, we're evened up. <laughs> very good, very good. And that's it for the rundown recreation. Two loons and a kite. <laughs> Ow. Oh, we did it. We identified those birds. That's right. I can't believe those names are real. <laughs> the birds are crazy, man. So, overall, where does our point stand uh yeah point totals after this week's game uh i am trailing uh well not quite trailing i'm at a uh, let me do this in order cat is trailing at a nine uh total points ben following her at 10 leading her i guess uh i ahead of him at 11 and pepe at 14 oh man pepe, I'm killing it the lead. Yeah. well done Foolish of me to create right. a game where all of you could have gotten up to nine points each. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, <laughs> I mean, just into it. Cat's got a score of nine, so there's no catching her. Somebody else scored more points than there are movies in this season. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, am I not updating my score? No, no, no. You that's the the, the one on the thing is for your uh, guesses, correct? Yeah, the guess should be three. Oh, right, right. Okay, sorry, my bad. Speaking of which, uh, why don't we find out uh, who done it, and we will kind of see where the real pointsies ends up. Yeah. Or the points is. Who done it? We've reached the segment where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission. Whenever the most correct guesses at the end of this series will win a Who Dundee Award. Our current suspects include James Pepe. Or Cat Ramirez. Usually, our reigning champ, I guess. First, however, Jordan's not with us this series, so I, as the host, will take that unfortunate task upon my own shoulders. Uh, I am wow. going to guess Cat again because uh, this is bringing up some important keeping it real stuff. And so I think that that's something that she would want us to watch and discuss and know about. So that's my instincts, and that's where I stand. Going with Cat. Cat, obviously, I'm wrong. It wasn't you. Tell us who done it. I think this is a Pepe film because <laughs> he likes to pick pretty, like you know, pretentious, good cinematography <laughs> film, foreign yeah, film. That's true. This is a foreign film. Um, oh, good points. And it does discuss some like religious philosophical ideas. So it's definitely Pepe. Man. Okay. I was I was wondering how she was gonna sell it. And that, that was pretty good. <laughs> this, this she be sold it. I want to change my answer now. All right, Devin, yeah. who done it? Uh, it's very convincing, Kat. Very convincing. Uh this is definitely your movie. The cinematography alone. If I watched this movie on mute, I would know that it was a cat movie. Um, very, very well shot. Uh, and uh, yeah, definitely cat. Definitely cat. Okay. Hmm. James Pepe. It. I'm. I'm kind of convinced it might be yours, but um, maybe I'm wrong. Tell. Tell me why I'm wrong. Uh. Well, I can't vote for myself, so I have to vote for no. Nope. That's all you're going with. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I understand the stratagem there. Uh, all right. Uh, so everyone locked in. Anyone want to change answers before we reveal? No, everyone's set. Okay, well, Kat, since you have three votes, uh, why don't you reveal whether or not you done it? Did you done it? I did. I did. I did yeah. some epic For the reasons <laughs> reason you guys listed, of course. Of course, of course. That is correct. Well, I don't like, or I don't mind being right. Uh, that's for sure. Um, we'll all co-host. Make sure your scores are accurate, please. And let's look oh, at yeah. who is in the lead. We got... Oh, we got a tie. Yeah, we got a tie. Incredible. Three-way tie. Well, actually, I don't, 
don't remember how we do points. Does everybody, is Kat going to win? Does that mean Kat's going to win? And Ben, Kat and Ben are going to tie? Uh, no, because we don't do anything for the final one. So that means we will be going to the uh, Rundown Recreation points for the first time ever, I believe. Oh, wow. Or did we have a tie before? We may have had a tie once before. I don't remember. Uh, we, it is going to, it did come down to uh, Rundown Recreation points before because I lost to that. Um, oh. To I want to say Jim or something. Yeah. So it uh, looks like it may come down to that again, but uh, stay tuned. So uh, now we know who done it. It's time to ask a question. Uh, and that question is why done it? Um, yeah. So the reason I submitted this film uh, was kind of the reasons you guys listed of why you thought it was mine. Um, so cinematography for sure, uh, more than anything else for this film. Oh yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely grabbed my attention. Um, it also, because it's a documentary, the cinematography in this film as a documentary is even more like incredible because to get the kind of shots that, that he got, uh, took so much patience and time and accuracy to get. Um, so I was just completely amazed by what he was able to capture, um, in this film on, on just that alone. Um, and then of course the kind of the issues that were brought forward in the film as well, you know, um, keeping it real and talking about, um, something that for sure impacts all of us, which is air pollution, climate change, all these things. Um, of course it's more prevalent in um, Delhi and in India, uh, but it definitely is something that connects all of us. So um, yeah, I, I, it definitely hit both those things for me. So um, I definitely think this is what documentaries should kind of aspire to be, but I do have some criticisms and I'm sure we'll get into as well. Okay, but mostly positive, obviously. Yeah, yeah, cool. And uh, when was the first time you became aware of this? Had you seen it before? Yeah, I'd seen it before, um, but I didn't. I watched it probably only like a few months ago, and I was just perusing, looking at like documentaries to watch. I watched this as well as Novak. I think is the name of the other one that also was like it came oh, out the, the same Russian year. one. Yeah, it came out the same year. So I watched it like back to back, and I was debating choosing that one or this one um but yeah i don't the cinematography alone bought me so um i definitely want yeah. this one instead. i mean how did homie make rats eating garbage into like a beautiful shot <laughs> yeah he did it it's incredible <laughs> so awesome yeah yeah it was quite wonderful um all right so for me i had not heard of this one not seen it um was very surprised by both the format and the cinematography. Uh, there was no narration in this, which is unusual for documentaries. Uh, they just relied on the people and the action within the frame to tell the story. Um, so it very much felt just like, it kind of made it more realistic in a way. It's just kind of, you felt like kind of the fly on the wall watching this uh, brotherhood and the bird thing and, and, and the obstacles in their way of getting funded and, and dealing with uh, the civil unrest and all of this happening in real time. 
um, it just kind of unfolds before you and um, you're just kind of taken on a, on a ride. Uh, I was interested in the kind of new take and I'm not surprised it got nominated, if not just for the cinematography alone, just kind of their um, kind of unique format that they approached the storytelling with. And um, documentaries are crazy because, you know, you never know what you're going to get. It's not like it's you write the script and then go shoot and shoot until you get what you want. Just kind of reality unfolds. And then sometimes like lightning strikes during the thing, you know, and uh, it's always fascinated me about documentaries, how like a lot of the time the filmmakers have no idea what the movie is going to be going into it. They just kind of have an idea and sometimes this kind of crazy stuff happens in the middle of shooting and you capture it and it's it's a bit of magic really uh and a bit of tragic too uh, in the case of this one so overall i liked this one i can't wait to discuss it but uh let me just throw it on over to Devin. had you seen this before um and uh what did you know about it if anything and how was your watch overall uh yeah i knew nothing about this going in had not heard of it or seen it um uh, I do think it's interesting how many contemporary documentaries we've watched this series so far. Uh, so far, good, I have the point. oldest documentary among among us, um, which is uh, probably a first for any of our seasons, except maybe... And it's 2011. Um, it's not even that old. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I had not heard of it. It came out of nowhere. But I, I did enjoy the cinematography a lot. That's why I, I called it out as being the very clear indicator that this was Cats. Um, I have some qualms about the content itself. Uh, I think it's sort of uh, left me feeling like, what's the point? And uh, I, I don't really know if it earned the ending that it, it gave. But uh, we, will, we will discuss that. So. Yeah, keep that handy, the ending that it gave. We'll, we'll jump into that maybe first. Uh, okay, but James Pepe, had you heard about this? Had you seen it? How was your viewing? Well, I hadn't, I hadn't seen it. Um, I had heard of it, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, just like in, like I had looked up the, the, like, uh, doc, the Oscar documentaries or whatever. Um, sure. Uh, yeah. So that, so I didn't, I had no idea what to expect, um, with it. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a documentary that's done uh pretty differently than like most documentaries um yeah and so like there were parts of that that i there were parts of that that i liked and parts that i didn't uh mm -hmm. one of the one of the parts that like struck me right away and actually when i first started watching it i didn't know if i was watching the right the right movie or not because it's not it, it looked like it was just a, it looked like it was a scripted movie. Like it's sort of shot like a scripted movie. And so I got like mm -hmm. 30 minutes into it and I was like, am I watching the right movie? This doesn't seem like a documentary. Um, but um, yeah, not having a voiceover, I kind of liked just like hearing them talk, like hearing the character, the quote unquote characters, right? The guys in the documentary yeah. doing the, yeah, just hearing them and hearing their conversations, um, that I found to be pretty interesting. Uh, cool. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't they don't do the like cutaway interview stuff at all either, right? There's no like, like kind of like how we're looking once. at the camera and talking to camera. Does that does that yeah. happen? I don't remember it. 
I'm, I don't recall them doing that. I will say there is a little bit of, not like narration, but they, they are talking. They, there is some recorded audio um, playing okay. over the film too. So um, they do but, have that. Rare enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I'm not, if I'm remembering correctly, memory serves. Okay. Uh, yeah. Unusual. Uh, Devin, what, what was it about the ending that you felt was unearned? Uh, yeah, I felt that um, the sort of final shot is, um, uh, I forgot the exact character, I believe it's Saad, um, arriving in uh, America to go to school to, to like better his veterinary techniques on these birds. And um, mm -hmm. while we kind of like in the latter half of the documentary learn that he's trying to go to America, it had this ending, uh, it had this feeling of like, now the thing that has like we've been trying to achieve this entire time has come true. And it's like, it really didn't feel like a through line at all. Like this thing of him trying to get to America, like that wasn't the story of the documentary. It's like him trying to get to America and learn to be a better vet. And suddenly the ending was very much the ending to a story that was about that, where he's like, finally, I've made it. I've, I've, you know, achieved victory. And it's like, what, what? <laughs> it didn't feel like the end of the heroes. Did it, it felt like the end did of the heroes it, journey did it strike where there was no way? other steps. Yeah, yeah I, I took away a really well. I, I'm interested now because my interpretation of it was like, "Geez, man, you like put all this effort into like getting this place up and running, and then you just like took off and like now you're in America." I think it was America, or am I mistaken? Yeah. Okay, so no, yeah, yeah, like now you're you're in America and everything's great for you, and then uh, your was it his brother is like stuck, kind of. Like trying to like keep things going in your absence, and like he's trying to. I it struck me that he was like talking to him over the webcam and telling him how great it was, and then like, but for the other guy, he just like froze, like his image just froze, and the, like they just got disconnected, and it did kind of leave me with this feeling like, is this really the right choice, like to go to just kind of like ditch the bird thing and go go do this. Um, yeah. but maybe that was just my take. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Uh, I, I mean, I agree with that. I, I do feel like that still gives it the feeling that like, cause like, I, I feel like the end, end of a, uh, any film really, but the end of a documentary, especially is sort of meant to like wrap up the point. Like here's their final mm -hmm. closing argument. And that closing argument is this guy Saud is kind of like bad, <laughs> like kind of a bad dude, kind of a shithead. And that also isn't the point of the documentary. Like that wasn't portrayed. He wasn't portrayed as a bad partner uh, for the rest of it. He seemed like he was really dedicated. And then suddenly at the end, it's like, oh, but no, now he's making this like horrible mistake. Um, so yeah, still feels disjointed to me, but maybe I'm missing something. No, I, I mean, I felt... Yeah, go ahead, Kat. Sorry yeah, about that. I felt similar. I think, yeah, one of the biggest criticisms I had of this film was... Um, was the ending because it just, it felt flat. It just like felt like, it, yeah, it led to something where I'm like, I don't, it doesn't really conclude. I mean, granted, like life doesn't conclude in, in a neat, like little gif with a bow on it. But like, I, I, I just mm -hmm. think that it very much just kind of like as an, as an editing choice, why have mm -hmm. that as the ending? I don't understand. Um, I was kind and, of feeling that too. Yeah. Like maybe they should have shot for another six months, you know? <laughs> and also like, I mean, like one of the biggest uh, criticisms I saw, like kind of throughout 
the, I think, um, reviews that I, that I read was the fact that like, what's the point of this film in general? And I, and I, that also resonated with me too. Cause I, I understand it like, and I think we talked about this in, in another documentary, but where it just, it had such a good start and had such a good potential, but then I felt like it kind of dropped at the end and I kind of didn't like lead to what the point of the film was. I don't know. I, I just, I was a little disappointed at the ending too. I almost sensed the filmmaker's frustration with, uh, is it Saud that left? I'm terrible so. with names, so yeah, let's sure. just run with that. Um, yeah, no, it may have been, and I don't know if I'm over-pronouncing that or not, but yeah. The deem that left? Okay, so uh, yeah, I almost sensed like the filmmaker's frustration with his choice as well. Um, because if had he stayed and we got to see the bird sanctuary or whatever up and running, uh, that would have been the kind of more American ending where we get the big uplift at the end, you know, where we see them succeed rather than fragment at the, at the it almost felt like a band breaking up. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's because yeah, that's how my band broke up. My bass player decided to fuck off to um, Spain for a year. Um, <laughs> at the height of our success. So, um, yeah, maybe that's, maybe it's my own perspective kind of kicking in, but, it, but it, yeah, it just didn't sit with me well in that regard. And I think that that was kind of their way of maybe, you know, emphasizing that by showing that his brother is just like, doesn't really seem happy for him. And then his just, he just freezes up. It's <laughs> like, yep, I'm stuck here. Glad you're having fun in America. I mean, I think they could have even like had like gone with him to America, taken footage of him like nicely shot and maybe him like say something after the disconnection between him and his brother about like how, you know, he still, I don't know, feels connected to him through seeing this bird here in America. Something like, I don't know, something like that where I'm like, there's still like this like overarching theme of connection, even with the disconnection. But like they just drop the ball i feel like i don't know yeah uh, so it seems like we all kind of agree that the ending was the weakest part of the movie um so that's that's interesting uh, that makes it yeah. objective right pepe <laughs> yeah right if we all agree on it it's objective <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that how that works in philosophy okay good good to and know science. I'm right again and science that's right majority rules um yeah. so um I want to talk about uh, a little bit more about the format too, since we kind of started in there and we've been jumping around a little bit, but um, it doesn't rely on the talking heads or the archival footage. Um, so overall, it took me a little getting used to, but I thought that that was maybe ended up working in the movie's favor. But uh, Pepe, you said it confused you and you, you thought maybe you weren't even watching the right film. And I understand that. But once you kind of got it knew you were in the right classroom so to speak um how was your did you feel like it had a negative impact positive impact um i'm not sure it's hard to say um i mean i can understand why i can understand why in a documentary like this you would want a lot of like planet earth style like footage of animals and nature right 
But then mm-hmm. like why you would also want your documentary to like, for all intents and purposes, like look and be shot like a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't, other I didn't than to stand out. The, well, yeah, maybe other than to, yeah, set it to be like, yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I didn't see, but I didn't see what it was like, uh, what, yeah, I didn't see what it was. I'm not stating that it is a positive thing. I'm just saying that maybe that was their angle. But sometimes that's well, like, you know, if your movie becomes nothing but your unique angle, that can o- overwhelm the movie too. So I don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think like um, it made me, I mean, it, the, the I think the effect that it had on me was that it made some scenes that if they had been shot differently, seem regular, seem like they had been set up. Like, like there's, there's, there are scenes where like, just because of the way it's shot, it's like, okay, this is shot like a movie. It looks like a movie. Did this happen organically or did, or was this like a scripted thing that is being put on camera for, yeah. for me? Yeah. That's, that's the biggest drawback I think to filming it in that way because you're like is this a movie or is this shit really happening i was just gonna add that um i did because i read up on like how he basically was able to get these shots and um, he said that it was a lot of time and a lot of patience kind of what i said earlier on and um basically getting to the point with the subjects that they were 100 percent comfortable being having a camera around them at all times that it wasn't mm-hmm. they didn't even notice it at, at, at a certain point anymore um so i think going like watching this film i was very aware that there was so much editing involved so much like going having to go through hours and hours and hours of footage for mm-hmm. the director to choose the right um scenes or shots to show to us mm-hmm. Um, but it is very much like, for sure, I'm like, how the heck did you get that perfectly? Um, but again, like, keep in mind, there is a lot of, a lot of footage we don't see that he didn't, that the director did not get perfectly. These are the ones that are being selected. Yeah. I, I felt that many points in the movie that like some shots to me felt like right place, right time. Like obviously the, the, near the beginning, the bird swooping the glasses off his head, like obviously just, he happened to be filming that crazy thing happened. Uh, other shots felt a lot more inorganic, especially one. I don't know why this stuck out to me so much, but there's one where he's um, filming a conversation between Nadim and his wife, and then uh, Nadim gets up and closes the door, which even the door closing kind of felt a little scripted, but then it yeah. very slowly pans across the room, and as soon as it gets to the, like, the grandfather, he like takes a drink of water, and it's like, it looks like, mm-hmm. like a Wes Anderson shot. Like It's like, he doesn't really do pans, but like, it Attic. didn't look organic in any way whatsoever. It looked so, I mean, I guess the grandpa could have chosen at that moment when he saw the camera to take a drink, but still it feels artificial and like maybe shouldn't have been in, in the edit. Um, but more than that, I remember I that felt, shot specifically, like yeah. well, well done choosing that out uh, because yeah, I, yeah. I definitely noticed that shot like, damn, well, how the yeah. hell did he capture that? So I'd be curious to know if that was, it's like, hey, grandpa, take a drink when the camera's on you. What I was yeah. interested in was the audio, because did you guys notice that when 
he had a few shots like that where he would pan it start from one area pan somewhere else and it was all just like done beautifully but did you notice how the audio was being like traced like you can hear the audio in the room and then while it's being panned to the other room you then hear the audio perfectly in that room yeah i assume has to do with mm-hmm. production but yeah i also assume he's or they just mic'd up the entire place not, yeah well that or it's just like it's attached to the camera and that's why like whatever he's pointing his camera at, that's all you hear. And obviously some of that's editing, but like, I don't think they have lobs, I should say. Like they, you know, like they would in some documentaries. Um, they was just collecting it, the sound. I don't know. Well, it was done really smoothly. That was what was yeah. really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Audio still, tough. That, it was still, to get was good quality. That, that cool thing by the like weird scripted drink of water, or what felt like a scripted drink of water, which, you know, when it comes yeah. to watching a movie, if it feels like something, you know, whether or not it's true, it's like, it still pulls you out of the moment. Um, but overall, I just felt that the, like, and this is a, like a term not typically ascribed to film. It's usually used for video games, but I feel like it didn't respect my time. Like a lot of the B-roll shots, which were really pretty, didn't feel necessary to the story at all. And, uh, or necessary to the documentary at all. And it was a lot about like setting up New Delhi as a place, uh, which is very interesting, but that even that didn't like the sense of place didn't feel super connected to the story of the documentary. And like the, the pollution was necessary. The B rolls of like all that smog pouring out of the smokestacks, like very powerful because that de- directly ties. But then when they focus on like a turtle climbing over some garbage and it's like, yeah, I get it. There's garbage in the city. And then the turtle shot goes on for six more minutes and you're like, all right, I really get there's a little, there's definitely garbage in the city. I, I got it. Nature garbage. They're right next to each other got it and uh, yeah at some point i just felt like my time was being wasted and that well, that was the other sorry ben. no go ahead that, i was gonna say that was the other biggest critique of this film was the fact that it was very slow and time consuming mm-hmm. in a way that didn't seem uh, like necessarily fully appropriate so especially for a not long documentary it's, it's like it's not a particularly long film it's just that a lot of it is it seems wasted those were the parts where I would have expected some kind of narration to be yeah. done. And I don't know if they shot it thinking they would and then decided to drop it or or what. I'd be curious. It's one of these ones definitely because it's so unique in its format. I'd be curious to know if it evolved that way or was conceptualized that way in pre-production. Um, I wonder. Um, but that, I, I feel like maybe... Uh, and just to play devil's advocate, the filmmaker was trying to just have us sort of meditate on the seriousness of the impact of what we as humans have caused and, and, and how dire it truly is. And to just kind of, maybe that is the intention there. Uh, However, if you're getting bored and rolling your eyes, maybe it's a little bit much, I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, one of the things I wanted to add when I read the reviews kind of uh, criticizing how long it was and how time consuming it was and everything is that one, I think that our ability to stay to pay attention to things has minimized, right? Like we want that too. Yeah, good point. Yeah. And we want information, all that stuff has our attention span has has shrank. So I think that films like this, um, anything like this is going to challenge that. (laughs) Um, And also it might be done intentionally 
when we're in such a fast paced environment or world where our attention is constantly on one thing, like to the next, that maybe the director wanted you to take it slow, watch this and actually like really pay attention to what was going on because of the issue at hand. Right. So like, it's kind of like forcing you to almost like meditate (laughs) while watching this film. And I think there's value and worth to that, but I also understand the criticism too. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I, I think that, um, a lot of these or any kind of film like this, and I was thinking earlier in my documentary class, one of the first films that we watched was kind of a day in the life film where it's very much just like, here's a camera in front of people just doing what they do. And it was very slow and it would definitely not pass anyone's attention span now, but there was something really beautiful about it too, like looking back to when that was shot of just seeing people live their everyday life, um, even though it wasn't necessarily anything like remarkable about it. So I don't know. I, I do see the value and worth in it all too. Sure. I mean, just, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it's kind of hot in here. And uh, we're going through the hottest month on record again, and it's sure to be broken next month. Um, and next year, et cetera, just the way things are going. So it's certainly like a critical, important topic that just, it is probably easier to sweep it under the rug and ignore, but how long can we ignore this shit before we actually take drastic action? Um, so if this is their way to sort of, I, I can't say force because, you know, like people are, fully allowed to like turn it off. But I guess if you're sitting down and watching the thing, uh, it does make you reflect on it. Um, and, it, and it is uncomfortable as beautiful as his footage is. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to criticize him too much, I guess, because of the, the breadth and depth of the, the problem that we're facing with, with climate change and pollution. Um, it just, it really feels like it, it's, it's now like coming home to roost to use a bird term uh in in a way that's undeniable um but let me just oh someone has something to say there uh yeah i was just gonna say one more thing about this topic before we yeah yeah yeah. um part of it is i mean it definitely comes down to personal taste and how you know how the film uses its time um Mm -hmm, i think that mm -hmm. that what the reason it affects me so much when i see that and it, it really puts me off is because um i have a feeling that uh uh, the more serious the topic of a documentary, the more careful it needs to be with how it spends its time and how it focuses. Sure. It's similar to the problem I had with all the beauty and the bloodshed is that they're tackling this very serious topic of opioid addiction and they're mm-hmm. quote unquote wasting time talking about art and, and making it beautiful, which it is both these films beautiful, but I feel they spend so much time making themselves beautiful when they're trying to tackle these very heavy topics that uh, it, it feels like a distraction. It feels like a, a card trick where they're like, look over here and now let's say something serious and look over here, let's say something serious. Whereas, you know, something like Jiro Dreams of Sushi or One You Be My Neighbor, they can do as much as they want with with artistry and, and flair because they're softer documentaries. They're not about these mm-hmm. like hard, heavy topics. So yeah, the reason why it, particularly in these types of, of documentaries it, it sticks out is because it feels like they should be getting as much information there as possible about this very serious thing. That's a good point. It raises a kind of a question for me is whether or not documentary, like 
contemporary documentary filmmakers are struggling with how to balance their messaging because we're kind of seeing that again with these like newer documentaries about some very serious topics um they seem yeah. to we've we all seem to kind of be in somewhat of an agreement that they're a little unbalanced is is one of the criticisms where it keeps coming up yeah, um, and they, anyone I mean, want to add to that them. yeah i get it that that too like they're trying to figure it out, you know, like what, yeah. what's going to play? Uh, what do we need to do? We don't, they don't want to go too far in the other direction either because then they won't get the acclaim and the views. Right. And they need to get in front of, in front of eyes. So maybe like that's a, that kind of fancy doorway that they're getting us in through is it, they feel like has to be there, you know, to, to get us in on whatever they're talking about. Uh, in Nan's case, it would be her, interesting wacky uh biography uh and of course this case it's the sort of lingering beautiful shots of rats eating garbage and what what else um so what was going on with uh just to change it up a little bit um other things i've noticed what what was going on with uh it's nadim's wife who is kind of begging him to go to the political thing like isn't this important you just kind of like brush it off like yeah whatever like the birds, I got to do the birds. There's no breaks there. Um, seemed like they're on shaky ground. And what was the political unrest? Does anyone, did anyone look into that at all? Does anyone understand kind of what was going on there? Because this is where like, you know, a little narration could might have cleared that up pretty quick had they told us. Or maybe I missed something. Maybe I missed exactly what it was. Some kind of civil unrest with the government. Protests turned into riots uh, is what I gathered. And it seemed very important. Um, but we just stayed with the birds and heard the chaos. We weren't really like ever involved in that or, you know, they didn't spend a lot of time focused on that. Um, I think it was religious um, affiliated. Like really? Unrest. Yeah. So I think there was some um, uh, civil kind of um, unrest between religious groups. Yeah, because the I believe these were so I'm looking at a list of um, political protests in India. There was I, oh, I, I imagine this was shot in 2020, just based on like how long films take to make. I, I imagine this was yep. a 2020 film that released in 2022. There were the Delhi riots, which uh, we did get a little bit of a news in the documentary itself. There was a news program that was talking about refugees coming into the country. They were allowing everyone in except Muslims specifically, which violated the uh, civil rights. Um, uh, uh, laws that were in place in India. And it sounds like rioters were attacking Muslims openly because Muslims within the country were protesting this new law or that these, ref, you know, the refugees not being allowed in. And then because of that protest, people were then attacking the Muslim protesters uh, and singling them out. Uh, I believe that was, that was it. And I'm assuming yeah. that they were Muslim because Muhammad is a Muslim name specifically. Uh, yeah, I'm not positive. Maybe, yeah. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not like, an expert at recognizing their. They showed some of their religious practices in it, but I, I'm not perfect at. I wasn't really paying attention to that. I guess. Um, but yeah, I'll just if if I'm wrong, right into the show. Muhammad Saud, I feel like is a Muslim name, but um, who knows for sure. Uh, okay, well, thanks for clearing that up. I just I I remember feeling like bad for the wife. Like, wow, he really isn't gonna give you the focus and attention that you probably need to feel like fulfilled <laughs> that yeah, sucks. he's I, I very dismissive her, 
Yeah, for her, it was like just trying to get him out of the house more than anything. I don't even know if, if she was particularly, she didn't seem particularly passionate about this uh, uh, political unrest. It was more like just any excuse to like get him to leave the birds for a little while and like maybe spend some time with her outside the house. Um, which He's yeah, just dropping just, heavy hints. Yeah, like it's important, right? So are the birds. I think the, I think the first time we see her, she's she's like asking him about like, oh, we should be concerned about his health. And he goes, what, the birds? And he's like, no, our son. Like, yeah. our son's health. Like, yeah, maybe this, maybe this, maybe this so, whole, whole documentary is about how he's kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> like I was saying earlier. <laughs> maybe this is kind of a recurring theme. He helps the kites, but at what cost? Yeah. His son's <laughs> health. That's, that's the cost. Uh, yeah, yeah. Salik was the only one among them that like didn't do anything kind of shitty. He was just kind of a goofy guy. I like Salik. Mm -hmm. He's the younger, the younger one with the glasses who gets stolen. Yeah, yeah. I kind of right. wanted to talk about what you guys thought, uh, or what you guys thought of the of the subjects of, of the of the three guys, because he picked very interesting like characters, right, to focus on, because their conversations are just. I mean, I was laughing definitely sometimes, like for sure, really oh, funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what you guys. The thought. cricket game was pretty great. Um, yeah. yeah, no, their, their dynamic was definitely felt familial, uh, where there was obviously love and kinship and, but they also seemed like they spent way too much time together and, uh, yeah. definitely got on each other's nerves. And, um, but I think overall they, I think that they had a pretty strong bond there that wasn't going to be broken by him going to America and doing all that. Uh, however, I think there was some resentment there. And I think that there was a pecking order to use another bird way to phrase it um, that maybe wasn't appreciated by because everyone was helping. Um, yeah. And goddamn, the way that they work together in just the worst possible conditions, uh, I was impressed by. I mean, that was really, really like how they kept that going amongst everything that went down and just how their facility was just just literally garbage uh to you know going into the going into the film so um yeah, well, what did you what was, did you guys think it was very reminiscent of uh parasite and like the apartment they live specifically just the apartment they live in yeah in parasite. Cool. And, like it felt like if that was a veterinary hospital it's like good lord uh i can't imagine right um uh, but yeah i think clearly they were chosen as subjects because they were like they're known in this community like multiple people like come to them and they you know we saw a, a black kite and uh yeah, like they're they are well known as characters as well as uh, uh, helpers of of birds, and uh, were probably chosen as a result. Um, and yeah, I liked their dynamic a lot. They were they were definitely characters, and I think it it's like a double edged sword because while it was very entertaining to watch, it did lend itself to that sense of it feeling scripted. Like Pepe said, like it, it mm -hmm. did very much feel like look and feel like a movie at times, um, which is like yeah, again, it's like kind of a good thing, but also kind of pulls you out of it being a documentary in a strange sort of way sort of like sensationalist news you know like when when uh, uh news media like makes news seem so it tries to make yeah. it seem entertaining it, it tends to lose its sort of informational value the guardian review described the film as whimsical almost to the point of absurdity <laughs> yeah. yeah i thought that was I pretty, mean, I, pretty good i like the the three guys i mean um you know, like this, this movie was able to do what a lot of, uh, or I should, what I should say, 
this documentary was able to do what a lot of movies struggle to do, which is show people on screen that are already friends without having to tell you the fucking like origin story of their friendship. Right. Yeah. And because these guys are already friends, they just, they just were friends or, you know, they were just, they just acted the way they would normally act. Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, it was, they were, um, fun, interesting, frustrating people to be around, which is just like how regular people are. Um, and I, I think that like, um, yeah, I mean like another, another issue that this, um, movie has is that like, what is this a documentary about? Right. Is it about these fucking guys trying to get their, uh, their like, uh, funding from, um, wherever they were getting their funding from and like setting up their, uh, animal sanctuary hospital or like, is it about the kites? And like, mm-hmm. I mean, the movie, the movie like heavily implies that like the reason that all these kites are being injured is because of pollution, but they don't ever like specifically draw that. Like they don't, they don't make that connection explicitly. And then the other thing is that like, well, this movie is just about sort of like climate change and pollution sort of like writ large. Right. Um, and it's also just, and it's also about like religious unrest in, in New Delhi. And it's just, it's about so many things. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like you can, you can do that because like a person's life has a lot of shit going on in it. Right. Like if you have religious obligations and familial obligations and uh, like, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like job obligations and, uh, just like, like home obligations, like fixing your broken refrigerator. So your bird meat doesn't all rot in the Delhi, new Delhi sun. Right. Like there's a lot of things that go on in one person's life. Um, but I think like documentaries, I think oftentimes, maybe not always, but like they try to have a thesis, right. And you want to try to like speak to your thesis. Um, Yep. And so like, I don't know, like, do you guys feel like this, like one, do you guys feel like this movie stated its thesis like pretty clearly and two, like supported it? No. Yeah. I I think that's a much more succinct way of of saying what I was trying to say earlier that like, yeah, it, it it kind of felt to me and I like, I thought this while watching that, that it felt the, the characters, the setting and the subject were like not necessarily tied together in any significant way where you could like kind of move any of those three things around and it would still work as a movie. Like this could be about like three women running a dog rescue in Gaza and it'd be like, <laughs> it would still basically work the same way. You know, it's like it's it's each of those three things is compelling in its own way. But what's missing is the tie between them. The funding was know, another one. I mean, yeah, the funding, yeah. I'll just speak to that as a, throw that in. Um, was it a story about them, you know, doing this noble thing and struggling against all odds and then, you know, somehow getting funded? But the the way they handled it was so quick. It just went from like, wow, we're really in trouble to just oh yeah, the funding came through. And then it was they were just kind of off and running. So it kind of like let the tension out. Um, and yeah, I mean, all that stuff is related, Pepe. You're right. 
Um, but I think it may be a place where not having narration uh, or the other typical kind of tropes or whatever that make up documentaries utilize, you know, the tools they use to get information across uh, made it might have hurt the overall product. Yeah. Yeah, I think you like how you said it. It's like basically reading a paper that has really good points, but no thesis throughout it. And like, and then at, so at the end of the day, it's kind of like, okay, but what's your thesis? Um, so, yeah, I think that's how I generally felt about the film as well. It makes me wonder if it was an experiment with the, you know, like I was saying, they're trying to figure out new ground to break in documentary filmmaking and how do you do that? You experiment with the format and see what plays and what doesn't. Uh, or, uh, yeah, it makes me wonder more about the filmmakers and the choices they made more than anything. Did I, I mean, this kind of sidetracking, but did you guys um, feel like these shots were similar? Or, I, I don't know. I, I felt like I was reminded of Roma. I, did, I was actually. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Yes. And obviously that's, that's scripted. The plane reflected stuff, in the water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For one. But I also yeah, was thinking about even just the, the audio of how the audio there was very much like you're just going to hear the sounds of everyday life existing. And that was very much present in this film, too. Yeah. No, Roma came out long ago enough to where they could have watched it and took, taken inspiration from that, I think. Yeah. Roma, also a, a film with a lot of uh, extra stuff going on. But I never felt like it was wasting my time because I felt that the plot of Roma was so tied to the place that when it spent time showing us that place, it felt very like it felt like, you know, not a waste. It didn't feel like a waste of time because I, I yeah, it, this that that story could have always seen Roma was better in that place. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Hey, um, Devin, could you look up what this lost to at the Oscars when you get a chance? I'd be curious sure. oh, to, know, to know, what, know what it lost to. Oh, what what, just, what edged to, it out? Uh, it lost to the one that um, that cat was talking about. The, the, the Russian army. one. Oh, yeah. What's yeah, the other one we watched? Uh, was the, all the, the beauty political, and the bloodshed also? All the beauty and the bloodshed. Yeah. yeah. So we got two of the, 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 the losers. Against, uh, the guy running Yeah, the guy that the, got poisoned, mm -hmm. right? That's being yeah. imprisoned. Yeah. Was he the same guy that was poisoned? Yeah, they poisoned yeah. everybody over there. Jeez. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, interesting that both those movies we feel like had kind of similar, not maybe not exactly the same, but similarly, they both experimented with format uh, and they both lost at the Oscars to something that I haven't seen, so I wouldn't know if that was more of a straightforward documentary format or not, yeah, but curious. I suspect it might be. Yeah, I'm curious too. Hey, Pepe, Pepe, you, Pepe, you submitted Navalny, didn't you? We're going to watch that next. <laughs> we <have to> <laughs> Maybe we'll see. No, I didn't. <laughs> I did I did watch it though. Um, it was pretty good. Yeah, you know. It was pretty good. Well, there you have it. Got the statue. Um, <laughs> you know, so I've, I've been, this, this is sort of serendipitous because I've been reading recently about this idea in... Aristotle called focal meaning. And the idea is, is that we have these words that are the same word, but they refer to different things, but they're not 
it's not like tree bark and bark of a dog. And it's not, um, and the word doesn't mean the same thing, but there's a sort of focal meaning of all the words. So the, so the, um, so the example is health. So like the primary meaning of health is like health in an animal, right? An animal is healthy, but we also call food healthy, or we might call medicine healthy, or we might call like a thermometer or something like healthy, right? And it's the same word. And each time the word has a somewhat different meaning and each time you use it, but because it has the focal meaning in the primary sense of health, right? So like we call food healthy because it produces health in me. We call medicine healthy because it produces health in me. We call, uh, you know, medical instruments healthy because they produce health in me. So they all have slightly different meanings, but they were sort of refer to this like primary sense, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you can sort of see that in these documentaries too, right? Like, for example, in Jiro Dreams of Sushi, so much of that movie was about the like family dynamics, right? But all of that was so clearly tied into like the sushi that you could see they you could see the connections with the focal meaning, right? Do you see what I'm trying yeah. to do? Mm-hmm. And you could do you could um you could definitely do that with um the Mr. Rogers neighborhood movie, um, Won't You Be My Neighbor. I think all the blue all the beauty in the bloodshed, it was like there was a focal meaning, but it was harder to get to, which is why the two sort of sides of the movie felt more disconnected, like the art part and then or the like her biographical part and then the like uh and uh the opiates part right and then Mm -hmm. this movie almost has no like focal meaning at all it has like almost no focus but it has all these different like things going on around it right and so yeah i think maybe that was anyway that was that just came to mind so yeah that was good some philosophy for you yeah focal (laughs) meaning nice all right. That makes me wonder if side really came out. Yeah. 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 I was waiting for the blackboard. <laughs> <laughs> like Indiana Jones style. Just going to break it down. Um, but no, I mean, like I, it makes it makes me wonder if uh, Navalnier, Naval, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Navalny. I wonder if that. Yeah. I wonder if that one was just more focused around uh, a theme like that. Like what you're saying. What's the term again? Focal. Focal meaning. That's the term meaning, philosophy, yeah. at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. more I, the, the more I think make about sense. it, like, that's such, that's hugely applicable to like, man, what a good, what a good way <laughs> of applying this thing to media. It happens all the time, right? You have all these like, like, I don't know, think of a show that has like a B plot, right? Like, as long as it's tied in with the A plot, it sort of makes sense. Oh, it sense, better. You know? Just look yeah, at Seinfeld. Right. That's the classic example. They were yeah, they right. were the best at tying B plots into the A plot at some yeah. juncture that you didn't see coming and is hopefully hilarious. Um, yeah, you might be. Yeah. you might have just like cracked the uh, the the Rubicon for like judging media. You might be able to just judge <laughs> every media by its focal meaning. Focal you, meaning. Well, yeah. it's well it's related it to semiotics, which is basically what what we talk yeah. about with films, like you know, which is the uh, study of uh, symbols and signs and communication especially visual um uh, like national so, treasure i get it i get it yeah right <laughs> i was gonna ask this 
to Devin earlier, but I think it could be applicable to the conversation we're having right now. And that's if you find imagery to be information. Because I think unlike um, the previous documentary, um, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, although they include photography and she's a, she is a photojournalist in that sense, um, mm-hmm. this is the way it's shot, the format of this film is image-based. And if you, as someone who likes photojournalism and views photography as as a as a way to display information to tell a story could you argue that this film that focuses heavily on imagery focuses heavily on these shots and these the scenery is a form of information in the in the same way that a documentary that gives you verbal information would be does that make sense yeah yeah i would say that it does but it also leaves more room for interpretation where you may not make the connection that they intend to talk about yes, intention. Yeah. Pepe's going to love this. <laughs> Definitely that. Yay. Yeah. And uh, I think with all the beauty of the bloodshed, <laughs> bloodshed, it helped that, uh, that she was narrating, obviously that, that we had verb, you know, verbal information and visual information. Um, and, uh, but I also think the other thing that hurts that in this film is uh, how long it lingers on those shots. Again, some of them are so long that I've mm. I've achieved the visual information within five seconds from the that image, and then it lingers for another twenty five seconds, and, and at that point it's it's nothing. I've 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 drawn all the information out of it as an image, and now it is just an image. Did it How become a source you... of frustration though for you? Like, did it reach that level? Uh, uh, yeah, I got to the point where I would like I was like reaching for my phone on some of those shots because I was just like, okay, this is like going on pretty long. How long, how long do you stare at a painting in a museum, Devin? How long not do very you... long. I'm a, I'm a walker in a museum. I'm not a stander. Okay. So, yeah, we're getting a little bit of information I saw everything about in five you. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In regards to art and, and how long you take to observe it. But I think the, the meaning with a, a piece of inter- you know, art, which is interpretive, uh, is very different than a, a you know, like, again, a lot of the shots, most of the visual information in this film, I would say, is serving the point of uh, the relationship between nature and pollution. Like, well, let me ask you a question then. Showed like an animal and some trash. Yeah. Yeah, no, it did. It was consistent in that way. But let's talk generationally then. So maybe this typically younger generations accept that what we're doing to the planet is like destroying it and it's probably going to end up costing us in terms of many, many lives, uh, human and animal, um, before if hopefully it does get solved. Um, so maybe generationally, do you think it would play better to an older generation that needed to see this stuff and maybe has a little bit more patience to sit and think about these shots? Uh, whereas, you know, with you, it's more like preaching to the choir. And you're like, yeah, I, I get it. You know, let's move on. Whereas someone who, you know, is, I, okay, let's just call out the boomers. <laughs> Maybe the boomers needed to see it. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, do you think that would play differently to them? Or do you think that it was still possibly just too indulgent in its, its visual messaging? Uh, well, I mean, the, the cynical side of me would say that, that, 
no boomer would ever watch this movie because they, you know, they don't believe in, if they don't believe in climate change, they're not going to watch a movie, uh, you know, obsessively uh, related to climate change. Um, if, yeah, uh, we need to know, get clockwork orange convenient... on those guys. Yeah, it's the inconvenient <laughs> truth in uh, convincing <laughs> 30 years ago. Uh, yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, God, don't tell me it's been 30 years since the drop. Uh, something like that seems about right. No, it hasn't been 30. Okay, good. Uh, There's no way. Maybe 20. Uh, yeah, 20 is probably meant about I was, right. I was eight when that movie came out. That's, like, that's not right. It was uh, uh, no, it was 2006. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. 18 okay. years. Just feels okay. like 30 years. Yeah. We've we've done 30, 30 years of damage in the time span, even though it hasn't been thirty years. So there's that. Yeah. Um, well, answer your question, Ben. I don't know if it's directed at maybe me and Devin. It was but, kind of anyone, but yeah, yeah. I want I'd be curious what you guys think. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think that what I. Oh, should I wait? No, no. That's. Um. Oh, right. Um. So yeah, I think that what I said earlier about like lack of attention spam is definitely something relevant towards for the younger generation right like it's something that i struggle with i think younger people tend to struggle with more so uh, because of technology because of our phones all those things all those connections um but uh so yeah i think someone older could watch this at the at the speed that it's at and not have an issue with it um, but I also understand Devin's, um, urgency because I think as a younger person where you're like, I don't know if I'm going to live very long. I have shit to do. I need <laughs> to go do stuff and I don't have the time to watch, you know, mm -hmm. these shots that maybe aren't needed or not needed to be that long. So there is this, there's this, there's validity, I think, into, to both sides. Um, and yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, Ben, Pepe, you guys are a little bit older than us, so I don't know. I'm, I'm like on the cusp fan. of Gen X and Millennial, like right in, right in there. Um, so it's a weird kind of, yeah, kind of see it both ways. And I, I, I don't want to speak for Pepe though. Um, what do you think? Do you think it would be easier or more palatable to a generation kind of more used to? sitting and watching rather than scrolling no i mean no no I, like so this is this is an this is going to be an unsatisfying answer right but if you're oh good well okay, I'll, 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 I'll say it very <laughs> yeah like the end I'll of the movie very, is perfect. <laughs> well i'll state the i'll state the point very broadly and then i'll try to say a little bit more about what i mean. all right lay it on us um if your movie is good people are going to want to watch it <laughs> right and like that's, that's a universal that's like, thing well, well i mean it's almost tautological right like if your movie is good people will want to watch it right and who's going to disagree with it? like it's almost impossible to disagree with that i mean it's 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 like i'm i'm not i'm not, I'm not saying it to, to mean anything other than just like i'm i'm like sorry i'll say what i mean now if your movie is good people are going to want to watch it right so like uh, for example, I recently rewatched um, the. I, I don't think I'd ever seen them before. The extended versions of the Lord of the Rings movies, right? Mm. And a lot of that footage is just like guys walking through. Oops, sorry, guys walking through um, 
like the wilderness, right? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. like you can think of scenes in um, like 2001 or uh, like even yeah. I even okay. rewatched Mandy recently. Like there are some really long lingering shots in those movies, right? And to me, at least they weren't boring um, because in movies like Mandy, they're, they're visually interesting in a way that you're not sort of used to, right? They're sort of new. And so it has an appeal in that way. Um, in, in Lord of the Rings, I think, I think that they did something more like what these, what, what this movie should have tried to do better, which was, which was make the scenery that they're showing, the scenery and the sort of the, the natural world, like more of a character in there, more of a character. Um, because mm-hmm. when you see these like landscapes in Lord of the Rings, um, you you like have this sense of like oh, okay this is something that like these characters are like contending with there, there there's a there's like a there's a reason why they're being shown right or sometimes you hear like sometimes you hear people say like oh like new york was a character in the movie or whatever right and like there's setting should be yeah see a, in a narrative yeah yeah you and can probably in a documentary setting, you can make the setting like a character in that mm-hmm. it colors the like actions and things that are going on in the movie. And so when you are showing that in the movie, the audience isn't uninterested in seeing it because they're seeing something that is telling them something that they care about, right? Information that they want to know. Um, I mean, the, now, the this- setting, the setting can be even an antagonist, like straight up too. So you're, right, you're absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah, so, and in this movie, they sort of want the natural world, or one would think, right, if we sort of agree that this movie is about climate change, right, then the climate should be like the main character of the movie. And when we're looking at it, we should be looking at it as if we're looking at like the main character of this movie. And I, I mean, I wouldn't deny that like the 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 film, the, the film that they shoot of it is like beautiful, right? It's It's very well shot right but you don't have that sense of it being a character in the movie so when you're looking at it you you're like okay well and i think that coupled with the sort of like um not super focusedness of the movies you know Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. sort of makes it like why am i looking at this like why am i yeah right like why am i looking at this turtle crawling over a like (laughs) Beyond the sort of like, oh, yes, trash and turtle, bad, right? <laughs> yeah, so anyway, that's, yeah. Which is maybe, what we could get that. from that shot in probably half a second. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, right. why are we? And also, that begs the question, though, Pepe, why, like, where did they fall short? And I agree that I feel like the setting felt very far away because they were, like, hyper-focused just on the bird sanctuary. Uh, we didn't really get other than those types of shots where nothing was being said and we were shown a little fragment and it did feel fragmented of the city. We don't really get a sense of the setting outside of the bird sanctuary. Is At least that's what I took away. So for me, maybe that's where yeah. it did fail at like connecting the two. But maybe add on to that if you have thoughts like what how did it fail to become a quote character in the movie? Yeah. 
I don't really know. Just, I don't know because, um, well, I mean, I mean, to, to speak to Kat's earlier question, like, I think there's, there's a unique power in seeing film and photographs of things, right? Like, it's one thing to, it's one thing to read a book about, um, like, so like, it's one thing to read a book about the Vietnam War or read a newspaper about the Vietnam War or hear uh, a radio broadcast about the Vietnam War, right? But it's a whole nother thing to see photographs and videos of what was going on in Vietnam, right? And that was yeah. sort of like the first time that at, that like that had ever really happened, right? That there were yeah. like reporters there, people in, a, in the United States and across the world were like getting striking visual accounts of people might even go so far as to say that that war was won or lost on the news right yeah and 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 because it's so it like it takes on a different sort of like moral realm because it's so because it's so different right like like the morality of viewing a painting of a nude person and seeing a photograph of a nude person are like totally different animals, right? You would talk about those things in different ways, even if they're both in an artistic circumstance, right? They would, it would be different. Um, and so I don't like, it makes sense to me that these guys wanted to, or this guy wanted to go out into the world and just like, show you a video of what was going on and like how shitty it was right because that is a powerful thing to do right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i don't know there is some there i don't know that i could say like what is it that sort of like made it um maybe less sort of like engaging than it could have been i don't know i don't know i, yeah, I don't think yeah. i know enough i'm struggling about, with like, that too all I yeah, can say so is the feeling I let. Yeah, well, and with documentaries too, and it's such a unique format, it's it's hard to say. But all I can say speak to really is the feeling I left with was that it felt like their what they were doing and where they were focused felt fragmented from those other shots, and they just didn't kind of tie together in a way that it, yeah. the way that you're speaking to where the setting should yeah, have I mean, felt it, more like a character or might have benefited from that. Yeah, it was clear that they really wanted to like stick your nose in it, right? And they did. They made they forced you to watch it. And there's value to that and like it should be done, right? Like you, we should see the in like we should see the consequences of our actions. We should have to look at it, right? Yeah. Like, uh, we can fight with the kangaroo hunt. Yeah, right. Similar. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. That was um, brutal. But uh I don't know, maybe maybe it was because like those shots were obviously like the documentary like the docu sorry, people I'm doing the like scare quotes. The documentary shots, whereas like yeah. the other shots seemed more cinematic and it was just it was weird. Like why are Voyeuristic these cinematic? It was almost yeah. like a, it was almost like it was a Terrence like a reality show movie or something. Yeah, like yeah, we're gonna yeah. take a break from the we're gonna take a break from the movie here to look at right. some birds flying around in a smoky sky. Didn't just silence. My much yeah, there's no like brow, segue between them. My, yeah. yeah, my much lower brow comparison is the um, Adult Swim 
like transition <laughs> shots yeah. where they'll just show like some weird video of like a waterfall for like a minute and then go to the next show. Yeah, That's yeah, like, good call. Kind of what it felt like. uh, yeah, like a palate cleanser rather than yeah, related it, at all. I think a lot of the best uh, like climate change stuff happened in those shots, which was why it felt so odd because this is like, this is another film that's kind of split between two topics, a lot like all the beauty and the bloodshed where here it's like climate change and also these three guys and like how they, you know, interact with each other. And whereas all the beauty and the bloodshed, those were like two well-made documentaries that had been chopped together, but like yeah, a well-made biography together, yeah. and a well-made anti-opioid uh, thing. And here it's like one well-made documentary about these three guys and one series of silent or, you know, series of unnarrated clips, uh, which like tell a good visual story, but are like very unlinked to the rest of it in this strange way. It's like two, two movies clipped together that shouldn't belong. And it's like the story of the bird sanctuary is linked to climate change, but it's never really like stated in so many words. It's like, it's just kind of something you're meant to assume and, and kind of gain for yourself. It looks horrifying either way. Not not to cut the conversation short, but I do do got to get going. Are we already there? Okay. Okay. Um, All right. Well, do you want to give us your grade? And uh, yeah, final grade on this one. Yeah. Should I just go? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, Yeah. So. I was kind of waiting till we had the conversation to really finalize what my grade would be, but I was Mm -hmm. already leaning uh, a B. Um, I think that uh, although the cinematography and the shots are really great and um, definitely something I would like to consider if I was to pursue documentary filmmaking um, on how to use those kind of techniques, um, I definitely think that if fell short in uh, in the plot and like kind of what we've discussed of what the point of it was and kind of having a main focal point overall in the film. Uh, so I think for that reason, yeah, I don't, I can't like confidently give it an A even, even though I, I do really love and appreciate the cinematography and all yeah. the work that entailed to, to get that too um, as a, as a documentary, but that's where, I, yep. where I'm at. That's a fair grade. Yeah, I would say that this if if what I what I was proposing is true, that there's a lot of kind of experimenting going on with contemporary documentaries with format to sort of see what will work and what will play, that this is a stepping stone towards something that works very, very well, that's new and novel. Um, but yeah, it I think that some of the experimentation really played well and some of it maybe did not. So I, I buy that your grades to be for this one. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks Kat um, for hanging in there as long as possible and um, yeah, go get some sleep. Um, I'm Catherine Ramirez. It's been real. Um, you can catch me on Instagram at Kat Ramirez with two Z's. See y'all next time. Bye. Yeah. Have a good night. Later. Uh, since we've been kind of haranguing the movie uh, and kind of picking apart what didn't work, uh, I wanted to go through and ask you guys what scene you thought was a standout scene uh, in a positive way that you really enjoyed. Maybe something we've discussed or maybe something we haven't discussed yet. One part that I liked, uh, I'll start, is um, 
when the neighbor, one of the, and this is probably one of the better parts to where they actually did do the thing where they tied the setting in to what the brothers are doing. Somebody asked for help because they were getting swooped by the black kite. And he goes to the guy's rooftop and kind of explains to him the psychology and like, you have to like look at them and like not, and then they won't swoop you. And then like a couple of months, they'll just go away because their babies will be big enough. Um, the guy didn't seem like super happy that that was <laughs> the answer, yeah, but right. um, at least there was like an answer like, oh, don't worry, it won't last longer than a few more weeks or whatever. But I liked that scene. And maybe I'm thinking now specifically because it was tying them into the, it did make New Delhi feel like the setting in which everything was based at that point. But uh, any other scenes that stand out? I like the cricket scene, too. That was a fun one. But I mentioned that before. Uh, I mean, the scene that's... I remember uh, the scene that stood out to me, or one of the scenes that stood out to me the most was when um, they were going to, like, swim across that, like, look, that river. Oh, to, like, go God, that was a good one. the bird. Yeah. And... Um, it stood out. It's. It was. It seemed strange to me while I was watching it because it's like, why are these guys making such a big deal about swimming across this river? Like, it doesn't seem that mm -hmm. big. Like, to swim across there, and then and then they do swim across it, and the one guy's like, "Harumph, I won't go in there." You know, the one guy's mm -hmm. like, "I won't do it." Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then, um, and then on the way back, the one, the the two guys that or the the one of them is like, "I don't know if I'm going to make it," and I was like, "Oh, yeah." Yeah, maybe this guy just like can't swim, and that's why this other guy was like, "No, you shouldn't do this because you can't swim very well." It was so. It was just. It was such a weird. Oh, I totally. It, it seemed weird at the beginning because I was like, "So is this guy just like not a good swim? Like, why are you so upset about him swimming? You know, it just doesn't seem that it doesn't look like that hard of a swim." And then on his way back, he just it just like turned into like mortal peril all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I saw that coming though because like once you get into the water and it's like cold and that yeah. that you know the water's pushing against you the whole time it can be deceptive deceptively calm and then very very real and dangerous um so i was with the guy that went harumph like forget about it like don't risk your neck about it but i'm glad they made it out but yeah i i was just yeah. like oh this is gonna be bad <laughs> it, was, it ended up being a very dramatic scene though i read it totally differently because i was picturing huh. when they were talking about like going to get this injured bird I thought I was picturing one of them like swimming with it with the bird in his hands, like holding oh, yeah. the water. And I was like, "Yeah, he says it's stupid because it's fucking stupid. What? Yeah. Swim with a bird?" Yeah. And then they had the buoy, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." Yeah, they had somewhat of gear at least. Jeez. Yeah, I was, I was yeah totally it almost feels like side. who are like, these amateurs? You have no yeah. business saving birds. What are you doing? <laughs> the other, the yeah, other just, thing that was, uh, I that was funny about the movie to me is that those guys um, are so accustomed to like handling birds and mm -hmm. the birds, they don't really struggle that much. They just are sort no. of very still, but they're just like very constantly handing me. off. They, they, they handle these birds like they're just like bricks or something. And they're just like <laughs> twisting them around and like putting them in boxes and handing them to one another. And the birds are just like, I guess this is <laughs> happening to me now. <laughs> you know? yeah, I wonder if they just know funny. where to very hold funny. them. But yeah, the birds were really docile and letting them like splay their wings out to like check them for the injuries and yeah. like yeah I, I that's fascinating to me too and they don't really talk about that either you just kind of left to accept that they a know what they're doing or that the bird psychology is thus that if you hold them a specific way they'll kind of freeze up or something 
I know that's like that with snakes. Yeah. If you like hold them, like I won't handle snakes. It's not my thing, man. But like, I know that people who know how to handle snakes know how to grab them and hold them to where the snake will instinctively do a thing that keeps the handler safe. Like they'll try to move away if you grab them by the tail, I think is is the idea. And so you that's mm. how you handle them because they're always going to have their head trying to get away from you at that point. Don't quote me on that. And don't try to go grab a snake by the tail. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure there's like things they know, but they just didn't cover it in the movie. But that was fascinating. That yeah. was a part that stood out to me as well. Devin, you got a, a shot that you liked or did you hate everything? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I did like there's the scene. Um, I think they're on their rooftop uh, where they're grinding meat for the birds. They're outside uh, scene. Oh, God. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It uh it follows a scene where they like try to it's like kind of a harrowing thing where they try to get this butcher to like give them like a better discount because they're like really yes. broke. Um, yeah. and then they're on this uh, rooftop grinding this meat and it's like a very like rich shot like just like sensory wise because you have this kind of like grotesque meat slurry pouring out and uh, they're like obviously very mm -hmm. depressed that they're like gonna run out of food soon for the birds. And they're yeah. like bickering about the machine like breaking while one of them is like off to the side fixing it. And like neither they're yep. two of them are bickering between each other while the third one's actually getting the work done and like fixing it. It's like there's a lot going on. It was a very like dense scene. Uh, I, I like it was good. Lot. And it also highlighted how patient they were about getting like that guy was very polite in his refusal to drop the prices. And, and I felt yeah. like he expressed that like he just couldn't do it. Like, you know, he needed to make a buck, too, or at least break even or whatever. He, although he did say that what they were doing was noble, he couldn't help him out. But, man, the patience with which they took that news was beyond, I feel like, how I would react if I just, like, was desperate. And, and in their situation, like, they really handled all that really patiently. Like, and... This is coupled with, on top of all this other stuff, like how how just like flooded their basement was, and like how trashy everything was. It's like, how do you guys just how do you how does your psyche not just crack? I feel like I would crack, you know. I feel like I would yeah. just like have that moment of breakdown, and they would get it on film of me just like taking the cricket paddle and nailing the wall with it or something. Yeah, for such good leads, so respect. they aren't they aren't particularly emotional. Like they're, they're compelling to watch no. and they have that like camaraderie, but yeah, they're, they're not particularly emotional men. Like I remember the scene too, where, uh, um, Nadine Even tells Keels. Muhammad, yeah, Nadine tells Saad that he's going to America and then he got into this college program and he's just like completely dead silent. It's like, are you angry? Are you happy? Or like, wh what are you feeling about this news? And he's just giving nothing. It's, it's very compelling to watch. Yeah. They're very stoic. Yeah. I guess I wonder if that's just part of the culture or part of their family specifically or, or what, but um, it was almost like very, like I would imagine like a doctor would be able to handle stuff like that. Like they're just like have been gone through enough to where they're able to process difficult, tough news like that without, you know, overreacting, uh, which would be my personal like I, I don't know that i would have been so polite about the meat guy turning me down even though i understood where he was coming from like i i was just like wow that's that's pretty great that they're able to handle it that way because you don't want to burn bridges with the guy when they did get the funding they still got to go back to him and get their meat to grind uh, right. what kind of meat was that 
it would just look like do we do we ever find out and like uh like trimmings and probably awful like well, it, it looked was pretty delicious like, like all the stuff that an american butcher would probably throw away to be honest and like they yeah were, yeah you know probably paying yeah. very little for it but they it's for the birds they the ch- chicken nuggies out of it right <laughs> yeah. i hope so the like first ingredient in chorizo is the uh, salivary glands beef salivary <laughs> glands so like it gets used oh that's good to know yummy yeah yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, playful question. If you could communicate with any bird species, uh, which would it be and why? Oh, that's a good easy, 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 easy. Uh, okay, all right, Devin. Oh, okay. uh, what do you got? Crows. Crows have like the intelligence. Ooh, that is like a good a, question. Of like a nine-year-old child. Like they're incredibly intelligent. So like, yeah, you just get to like talk to a bunch of flying nine-year-olds. Easy. Yeah, but how many nine-year-olds do you want to talk to? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's more interesting. Well, than, uh, they could be your come your unholy army of the night. That's for sure. Exactly. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you wanted to cause a a ruckus or just keep an eye out, yeah, for security reasons, get the crows working yeah. security. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that's good. Um, I don't know what why. Uh, maybe this is just some basic bro shit, but I guess an owl. This must be wise. I don't know. I'm up late anyway. Yeah. I could I could rap with an owl late into the night and, and know they'd be hanging out. Uh, ask you know. them about tootsie, tootsie rolls. That's right. I feel That's like right. Owls would just complain all the time about how they can't digest bones and they gotta vomit them up. I'm just like, if every time I ate food I had to like vomit up a bunch of bones, I would probably be talking and thinking about that like pretty often. That'd be most of my personality is how I have to vomit up bones all the time. You don't know what I have to go through every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Pepe, what are you what are you thinking? Uh, Bald eagle, um, baby, just like the tattoo across your chest. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Merc. No, actually, I was thinking about whether a platypus counts as a bird. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh man. That's something to keep the philosophers busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh um, I don't know, maybe like um there's like uh there's ah, there's so much like birds and in, in like popular like uh like in like uh the uh was it the ibis or the ibex those those egyptian like birds mm-hmm. and like the whippoorwills that like lovecraft is always talking the about pendulous tit you gotta talk to the oh, pendulous oh, tit I would all- you're right. I would only talk to tits. <laughs> That's the only right answer. <laughs> yeah. I would ask them to just tits in general. Hands, and then I would just <laughs> yeah. go like this. Sure. Yeah. That's how they yeah. communicate, as is my understanding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, All right. Man. So how about this? Um, if you were to start a rehabilitation center for animal species, which animal would you choose and why? I don't have a choice. My wife already wants to do one for horses, like that want to, like horses that want to retire and give them a nice place. So, I'm already stuck with that one. Not that it would be a terrible thing. I like horses. Um, if I had the means, it would also mean I would have a lot of land, so that would be cool. So yeah. Uh, but uh, what do you guys think? We doing cats, crows, tits again? Man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, we some tits. Um, I think uh, I'd probably go with panda bears because one, it would give me uh, yeah. it would give me the once in a lifetime opportunity to like hug a panda bear, which just looks like it'd be the most fun thing. Uh, and also, panda rehabilitation is just about making them want to fuck because like they just don't want to fuck. 
and like that's like the number yeah, one conservation true. issue for pandas is just like they don't want to have sex for some reason they're fucking yeah. idiots so it's uh, like an yeah, art trying to get them to come together yeah, yeah so you'd have to wear the panda outfit you know that right that's yeah, how they do yeah. it yeah yeah oh, <laughs> cosplay yeah. as a panda yeah be a good excuse to do that all right pandas that's a great answer all right, we going with giraffes, Pepe? What are we doing here? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that there. I well, it would either be it would either be Snorlaxes or mm-hmm, radish mm-hmm. spirits. Radish spirits are good. Those would be, yeah. yeah, those would be my yeah. real. Would you bathe them? <laughs> uh, oh yes, of course. <laughs> Dude, imagine Snorlax showing up at the bathhouse in Spirit of the Way. That would be the coolest thing. <laughs> well, oh, man. you can always do a fan scene using AI now. So that's, yeah, that's, right. on, that's on the way. We'll see that next year on TikTok or something. <laughs> Folks, it is time for us to take a short flight to the land of commercials. We'll be back faster than a black kite diving for its prey. And now a word from our sponsors. Friends, have you ever looked up at a black kite soaring in the sky and wondered, what's that bird thinking? Well, wonder no more with the bird language course from Sky Talkers Institute. Yes, friends, with (laughs) our comprehensive online course, you'll be squawking and chirping with the best of them in no time. Our team of avian linguists has decoded the language of the majestic black (laughs) kite, and they're ready to share their secrets with you. From basic greetings to complex philosophical discussions, Pepe, about the nature of flight. Yep. Our course covers it all. Imagine the look on your friends' faces when you start a conversation with a bird at your next picnic. But that's not all. Enroll now, and we'll throw in a bonus module on understanding bird body language absolutely free in case you run into one of those tits. Disclaimer, (laughs) side effects of the bird language course (laughs) may include strange looks from neighbors, an irresistible urge to perch (laughs) on high places, and occasionally early morning wake-up calls from your new bird friends. So why wait? Spread your wings and fly on over to Sky Talkers Institute. The sky's the limit when you speak bird. <laughs> we now return you to your regularly scheduled program. Nice, nice. Yeah. I gotta say, good on us for not making a single birds aren't real joke during this entire episode. Uh, like we really, yeah. we really, you know, I feel like that's a testament to our self-control. Well, now that's all I'm gonna you do. Know, so I- okay so let's see if we have it right by giving a final grade over here we've soared through the deli skies and now it's time to land and present our grades for all that breathes so uh i'll start um cat actually gave it a b uh and so i'm actually going to give it an a surprising to some those that know me are probably less surprised. <laughs> I think that for me, it's just, it's such an important topic that I've got to get this movie seen and people thinking about this because I don't want humanity to end and I don't want the world to be this barren, like Martian landscape uh, 
hundreds of years from now. And I'm pretty sick of fire season being a thing. So people need to see yeah. this. They need to understand the importance of what we're doing to the planet. It's, uh, and we need to make, take some drastic action. Um, I, I worry for my son and his generation and the generations beyond. I do feel that responsibility towards them. And hell, if we are here for decades more, we're going to live through some terrible stuff if we don't change stuff soon and come up with some some solutions. So this may be one of the biggest issues that we need to tackle. Um, it's literally about saving the planet. So I'm going to, I'm going to just go with an A based on that. Um, and I did like there as much as we kind of harped on it, I thought more worked in this that didn't. And I, I thought that the approach was novel and I think they are building towards something, um, with this kind of experimentation with the documentary format. There's enough compelling there that I think they're onto something and I think they will find a winning formula if they keep at it. So it, maybe they found it in the next movie. Didn't you say he had a new one coming out? Yeah. Uh, one that he produced. So we'll see. Correct, yeah. I see. Okay. Well, he's probably working on something. Anyway, get it. Get after it, documentary filmmakers. Keep keep working it out. Because, um, you know, we've got to figure out a way to keep these kids watching and, uh, and caring about it, deep issues and presenting it in a way that's compelling. All right. So that said... I'm at an A, cats at a B. Devin, where did you land with everything that breathes? Uh, yeah, I think, I think I've sort of criticized this film to death, so I'll just say that I thought the cinematography was really beautiful. Um, the way it was shot was, was like really next level, I think, unlike, uh, uh, you know, unlike few things that, or like few things I've ever seen. Um, uh, but yeah, I had my my gripes with it, and I think between the two, it brings it to a B minus for me, just a little below, because uh, I think that with these visuals and uh, just a little more tweaking, it could have been it could have been perfect. Yeah, if Cat's coming into B, you would have to be at a B minus, I would say too. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so uh, don't forget to put your lower third up when you get a chance. And James Pepe, where sir did you land? after soaring with the kites? Um, I'm, I'm giving it a B minus two. I mean, basically for all the reasons mm -hmm. that we've talked about. Uh, all right. The GPA for uh, all that breathes is a 3.1, a solid B film. Uh, this puts it in the echelon of such <sighs> films as Porco Rosso. <laughs> no, God damn it. The fucking first one. That had That had to Strange movie's so good. Oh, oh, oh that one hurt me. Ouch. Fuck. All right, now I'm feeling Porco, the pain. Uh, uh, as well as Labyrinth, uh, Pursuit of Happiness, Nebraska, and. Pursuit of Happiness, Nebraska. Pepe knows what's coming. Nobody else does, but let, let us and the audience find out what we'll be watching for our final movie of Series 12 documentaries. Without further ado, I'm going to roll my Mobius trip roll. Look at, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> here's the drum roll. It's, oh, it's surprisingly a one. So yeah. we're going to be watching. Okay, now this is the oldest documentary. We're going to be watching Brothers Keeper, 1992, directed by Bruce Sanofsky and Joe Berlinger. 
and it is streaming on Tubi. So go ahead and check out, cruise on over to Tubi on your Roku device or whatever, and uh, check out Brothers Keeper 1992 for the next show and our final show of the series. Ben, we, um, okay. we didn't do the best sound drop on the show. Uh-oh, I'm going to have to edit that in and post. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little weirdness with my sound drops. I, I'm in the wrong sound drop. That's all right. We've been, we're, we got a ring around. There you go. Was that right? <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> all right. Um... It's time! Hell yeah. Fuck. So <laughs> I'll fix it in post. All right. Okay, or not. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so what it is actually time for now that we've gone through all that and uh, played Hurt Pepe once again successfully, we're going to do a little show business. How much do you know about show business, Mr. Valiant? Only there's no business like it. No business I know. So uh, in our last episode, let me just get through this. Retraction. We may have suggested that the characters in All the Beauty and the Bloodshed could have used a black kite to solve their problems. Um, but now we realize that was just a flight of fancy, and we retract that <laughs> statement. <laughs> wah, wah. In our previous episode, uh, you think you liked that one. What do you hear this one? In our, oh, in, our, <laughs> in our previous episode, we may have implied that Nan Golden could have used a black kite as a secret weapon. But we now understand that not all our problems can be solved by birds of prey. So we retract that statement. Um, and sorry to DC and uh, and the Batman <laughs> genre on that one. Um, yeah, just stop making those. Uh, we also suggest that the plot, we also suggested, past tense, that the plot of all the beauty in the bloodshed could have been improved with the subplot about air pollution in Delhi. Uh, no. Upon reflection, we realized that not every movie needs a hard-hitting environmental message if they already have a hard-hitting social message. So we definitely have to retract that suggestion, particularly after how we graded this one for going in too many directions at once. Um, so yeah, our bad. We sincerely apologize and ask that you bear with us as we strive to be better. Fanny Mills, you can write to Ben at redhandmedia.com and we may respond on the show. Let us know how we're doing. Did we get something wrong? Mm, probably. Did you arrive at the same conclusions as our very own James Pepe and therefore discover? You'd be right. That's right. No, we, we Objective fucked it up. truth, baby. You'd be right. <laughs> you say Wrong sound drop. Time. I know. All right, let's take it again <laughs> and therefore discover objective You'd truth. You'd be right. <laughs> Next show. Next show, baby. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Tell us what show, what's, <laughs> tell us what segment of the show is your favorite. Not this one. Where are you listening from? That's what I want to know. So write to us. We may choose your email to read to and respond on the show. This week, we have an email all the way from Otisburg, Ohio. Oh, no. damn it. Otisburg. It's an itty bitty place. Uh, the subject <laughs> line is a bloody beautiful show. Dear Lookers crew, greetings from the heartland, Otisburg, Ohio. Otisburg, it's an itty bitty place. I'm writing to I'm writing to you from my humble abode, sandwiched between a pharmacy and a modern art gallery. 
quite the fitting location considering your last show on All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. I must say your discussion on Nan Golden's life and activism was an illum- was as illuminating as one of her photographic slideshows. I particularly enjoyed your playful banter about who among you would be brave enough to stage a protest at the Met. Um, and I've got my money on Kat. She's got that rebellious spirit. I'd probably also bet on Kat for oh, that yeah. one. Uh, your analysis of the film's seven chapters was as layered as Golden's own life. The way you transitioned from her early life to her fight against the Sackwood family was smoother within the movie. <laughs> so well done. It was a well-mixed <laughs> cocktail at a swanky art opening. And speaking of art, your comparison to the film's structure to Golden's The Ballad of Sexual Dependency was a stroke of genius. Thanks, I'll take credit for that. It's like you painted a vivid picture with your words, much like Golden did with her photographs. It's almost like I'm uh, writing this to myself to just congratulate myself. I must admit, I was a bit disappointed. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here's that self-criticism. That none of you chose to marry, fuck, or kill any member of the Sackwood family in your playful segment. But I suppose it's best to keep things civil. After all, we wouldn't want any legal disclaimers popping up in the next episode, would we? Actually, we were, we're going to have to make a legal disclaimer there. Um, the people writing in do not necessarily reflect the views of Redhead Media, uh, LTD, and the, opinion is their, the opinions are their own. Um, keep up the great work, we will, and I can't wait for your next show. I am, I, me neither. I'm off to stage a one-man protest at my local pharmacy. Wish me luck. Yeah. Yours in cinematic solidarity, Hugh Morris, Otisburg, Ohio. Well, thank you, Hugh. Wow. A real, Always, uh, actual, factual email. That's right. Uh, yes. And if you want to write us a real, if you hate that segment <laughs> and want to write us a real email, please do so. And we'll read your email on the show in lieu of that. Okay. Um, we do have a little actual show business to take care of here. Since we've reached the pen ultimate episode for the series, it is time to play theme Jeopardy. So because our show is really just a stack of dice all the way down, we're going to roll ever more dice and let fate decide the next series theme. That'll be for series 13. We've all rated a list of over 100 categories of themes and uh, we take our top five and then roll to see which one will be the next theme for our series. And we also add a sixth theme that is chosen by our champ. It's called the Champion's Choice that our previous champion Jordan selected. So we're going to go through those categories and uh, tell you which one is the champ choice. And then we'll roll. So are we ready with the board? Our champion in absentia. Uh, Our (laughs) champion in absentia. Okay. Devin, <laughs> the categories, please. We've got action movies. Out of out of time time travel. One of a kind, truly unique. Thar be treasure, treasure hunts. Mind benders. And the champion's choice, martial arts. <laughs> all right good yeah. good uh themes this time man these are good themes almost uh yeah these are good no wonder they're they're top six out of 100 yeah they're gonna be good all right so without further ado let's roll the dice find out what the series theme for series 13 is lucky number 13 um i believe uh wasn't uh bilbo the lucky number so 
Maybe we'll do adventure yeah. films and we'll be watching Lord of the Rings the whole time. Okay, fingers crossed. And here's your dice. It's a three. Ooh, wow. Watching one of a kind, truly unique films. Ooh. Oh, this is going to be Been a weird, wild a series. Long time. Hell yeah. Uh, what a good what a good category for number 13 it's perfect are you kidding me yeah i can't wait to see Truly we're gonna be all car, over right? the place what if we all select yeah, the no. same movie <laughs> no it's like the, the most <laughs> samey season ever right yeah exactly okay i wonder what that movie would be anyway don't say anything <laughs> we're probably choosing it all right, well, join us for Series 13, where we'll be watching some truly unique movies for a truly unique and bizarre number. Um, so I think that's about it. I think that's typically where you our show ends. Yeah, almost always. Mm -hmm. What? Just one more thing. Oh. All right, Lieutenant Globo's here, apparently investigating a report of black kites mysteriously appearing in Los Angeles. He's wondering if we've been rehabilitating any injured birds lately. And he also says we have time for just one more thing. Where each host, where each co-host shares something from outside of the show. All right, let's do a quick uh, another. I've, the read, watch, uh, play has been working for me, so I'll continue with that. So, um... I do have notes. There they are. So reading. I've been recently engrossed in the world of Fire Mage, which is a very generic sounding fantasy title that just I, I was ready to go on a new book book. And I was like, oh, that's a nice generic sounding fantasy title was literally my reaction. And it's been fun. Uh, it's a little less generic than the title would imply. Uh, they got uh, it's, it's from the Black Light Chronicles by John Forrester. It's a captivating blend of magic, adventure, and intrigue. The story revolves around the Talus, around a character named Talus Storm and his friend uh, Mara, who live in this kind of like refuge city. It's like the last free city in a world plagued by dark sorcerers. All stuff I love. Um, their city is targeted and attacked by undead soldiers and flying necromancers. That would appeal to Devin, I imagine. Talus and Mara find themselves in the midst of a desperate struggle for survival. And they kind of uh, head out into the terrible desert and uh, fight giant spiders and all kinds of fun fantasy tropes that uh, someone like me is looking for in a, in a kind of a boilerplate fantasy thing with a few twists and turns there to make it interesting and unique. So if you like fantasy novels, you're looking for kind of not a challenging read, but just kind of a fun fantasy read, I will definitely recommend that one. Okay, so watching... On the screen, this week I binged Euphoria on HBO seasons one through two. Unfortunately, because of the writer's strike, now uh, season three is not coming out for a while. But uh, this show, it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit of a gritty portrayal of teenage life type of show, so you have to be in the mood for that. Uh, but it's very unique in how they uh, deliver. Um, it's been a nice roller coaster of, of emotions. The performances are very good. Um, very challenging stuff, the issues they tackle. Uh, Zendaya has been amazing as always. Um, and the cinematography is also unique. It's almost like that. It reminds me of that era of movies in the early 2000s that I oft talk about that gets very dark. Uh, and so I think that they're actually calling back to that 
I remember one movie called Kids that was kind of like this almost documentary thing where they really went to some dark and challenging places. And this does that as well. Uh, so if you're looking for a series that doesn't shy away from hard-hitting issues and delivers a powerful narrative, check out Euphoria if you haven't already. And lastly, playing in the gaming world, my arm has been bothering me, so I haven't been gaming, but my son has been having a blast which, with Ratchet and Clank, which I think Devin might have said at some point he should check out. Yeah, he anyway, if that's the case, he has and likes it and has been playing it. It's a mix of action, adventure, and humor that appeals to both kids and adults alike. Uh, it's very vibrant graphics, you know, a fun little storyline. And there's like this nice camaraderie, camaraderie between the characters as well as uh, how you use the characters uh, throughout the game. So it was kind of a fun family gaming experience. And uh, Hunter's definitely sold on it and enjoying that. So uh, I'll check in probably again about that down the road and see how he does uh, finishing that off. But right now he's having fun with it. Uh, they also uh, dropped another update on Mario Kart 8. They've been doing like the uh, new release content, new tracks. And so um, that dropped this week as well after I wrote the Ratchet Plank thing. So he's been kind of mixing it up between those two. So go Nintendo. Always a strong, oh, yeah. always strong with the gaming with those guys. All right, Devin, what have you got for us this week? And just one more thing. Yeah, so um, I don't have a ton of uh, stuff this week, honestly. I, I don't have a watch play read because I haven't been watching or reading much. Um, and play-wise, I've been, I returned to Diablo 4 for their season one content. They just released season one. So I've been dipping into mm -hmm. that. Uh, a bit of controversy with Diablo right now. They've made some changes that sort of uh prolong the game in a way that's not necessarily fun just kind of pumping Ooh, the brakes on everyone's stuff yeah it's uh you know it's controversial but i've i'm still having fun with the game uh, oh also, blizzard activision microsoft yeah <laughs> uh i also dug out my uh old game boy ds or, i mean nintendo ds uh to play some uh pokemon emerald uh so i've been playing that oh, as well uh yeah retro uh and uh i've been you didn't into... finish zelda i've not finished zelda yet yeah i have i never actually okay. finished breath of the wild either i have this issue with uh and it like you know when a game is so good you just never want to you never want it to end so uh, i'm i'm savoring my time dipping into yeah, that yeah. uh but then as far as new games i have checked out remnant 2 this is a sequel to remnant from the ashes uh it is a procedurally generated um Dark Souls like with guns and Metroidvania style level design and it's all kinds of stuff mashed together. Um, it has a cool aesthetic. It's very uh, the procedural generation is pretty impressive in this one. Uh, they I had a whole situation where I first started playing the game and it was a little difficult, so I wanted to lower the difficulty, which would the only way to do so is to re-roll the campaign, which I didn't really know what that meant. I just did it to see what would Oof. happen. Sounds uh, basically sounds like a big move. Yeah, but basically what happens is is interesting, though, because uh, you keep all your stuff and, and you have to start over the progress through the levels, but the levels totally change. So when I first started the game, I was in a, this like fey world, very akin to Alfheim in uh, the God of War games, this very like beautiful castle with all this like intricate architecture fighting these like fey creatures. Uh, and then I was going through portals to this um, like... Uh, uh, industrial revolution era town with like people with guns that were like all blood crazy very much like bloodborne 
uh, and that was the game. I mean, the game was this Fey world and this like weird kind of Bloodborne world. When I rerolled the campaign, suddenly I was in this like futuristic space-faring world with robots, and I was going through portals into this like apocalyptic wasteland, uh, like in an entirely different wow. aesthetic. It was like a fully different game, but I was the same character uh, playing in that game. So it was like very wild that uh, yeah, you like literally reroll the entire game. Um, it was, Is it, it was procedurally. Really done or like do you can you do that forever or are you going to run out of options eventually or do you uh, i know? believe eventually if you like quote unquote beat the game you unlock all of those locations sequentially it's just okay. the sequence is different each time so the first time it was gotcha, gotcha, world gotcha. medieval world uh, and then the second time it was future world apocalyptic world but eventually That's i think clever. If I keep playing i will unlock them all and be able to go between them no, that, yeah. that makes sense. That's kind of how World of Warcraft did the not this expansion, but I think it was like the last one. You could just kind of go to whatever zone first you wanted yeah, to. Yeah. But this will just set you up and one at random. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's been uh, some fun. Yeah. I've been just gaming around. Gaming around. Sounds great. And James Pepe, what have you got for us this week? Well, I can do a, 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 a an eat, pray, love also, you guys. <laughs> Yeah, let's hear your eat, pray, um, love. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've been I've been rereading two of uh, Gene Wolfe's books. I made a bunch of my fr- I forced a bunch of my friends to read Fifth Head of Cerberus, and then another friend of mine uh, also decided to start reading uh, the Book of the New Sun books, and he asked me to read them along with him. So I've been reading that um, because Oppenheimer has been in the news. Um, uh, in the new, I don't know, like, like <laughs> it's been in the zeitgeist. Um, yes, it has. Been. I decided to rewatch, uh, I think kind of a little known show from a while ago called Manhattan. Um, have you guys heard of this show? The Manhattan, Manhattan Project? It's about the Manhattan Project, but it's just called Manhattan. I did watch anyway. a mini series on that that came out maybe, I want to say a decade, maybe even more ago but I don't know if it's the same one. Yeah, so it's it's on um it's on uh Amazon. Uh if you have a if you're on Amazon Prime, if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch Manhattan. Uh, I think okay. it's like two seasons. It's really good. Um I uh I think the I think I like it better than Oppenheimer. <laughs> I don't like <laughs> Oppenheimer that much, but the first season's very good. The second season takes a little dip, but um and what was the other one? Read. Oh, playing. I have been playing um, Sonic Mania, which has been very cool. The music in that game is awesome. And I've also been playing with a friend of mine, um, Disco Elysium. I know I'm sort of late to that game, but that game is awesome. Yeah, it's a totally popular uh, game. Yeah, that game's super cool. Well, what does that uh, mean? Because I'm not familiar with it. So Disco Elysium is like an RPG uh where you um and you sort of have your sort of like rpg classes you can sort of make yourself like a strong guy or like a dexterity guy but we i we've been playing um sort of like a it's like a psychic guy and you you're you're sort of like skills sort of like in pathfinder are the sort of like different um aspects of your personality but they're all personified and they all talk to you. Um, so like your cowardice, it's not like they, inside they, they out all, or Herman's head. 
Yeah, sort of like Inside Out. Yeah, so like your cowardice, it, they give them all these sort of fancy names, but like your cowardice sometimes will pipe up and like start talking to you and, and um, mm. or like your, um, or like your sense of authority because you're a, you play as a policeman in the, in the uh, game, will start like talking to you and it'll, and so like you're, you, you're having all these conversations with yourself essentially in your own head about what you want to be doing in the situation that you're in. While it's a multiplayer like game? A, well, no, no, no. So my, my friend and I, we play games like this together and I stream it to him See. and we sort of, we play it together. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how the heck did yeah. that break down? All right. Yeah. That's fascinating. So, uh, for an example, if people like have trouble picturing this, I have, I have the skills, all the different skills pulled up here. There's things like visual calculus and like volition, uh, pain threshold and like electrochemistry yeah. Um, composure and, uh, you know, hand-eye coordination. These are all things you, you roll for. So you would, like, roll for your pain threshold when you are injured, uh, things like that. Uh, and as yeah. well as having okay. conversations with these different, like, parts of your psyche. It's, it's, very, yeah, it's very fascinating. Interesting take yeah. on gaming. Huh. Novel. I yeah, like I mean, when, when games get creative out, like uh, that. I mean, it was, it's a critical darling. I mean, it's not, I'm not, like, breaking any, I'm not, like, yeah, yeah, you said you relate to take. it, so I, I imagine it was something somehow I missed. Yeah, this isn't a hidden bigger. gem. People know about this game, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I only yeah. have now yeah. gotten around to it. But yeah, it's super, it's super fun. Cool, really cool. Well, if it pops up in my feed, I'll add it to the cart. Was it an indie game? I imagine. No, no big studio is going to take a risk. Know, with Devin, do you know something that? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it definitely has an indie does. feel, but it has a, it, it like it's very polished. Um, so. Yeah. I wonder if those games, sometimes they will take them to bigger studios and get more funding to polish them up if they really seem like they're good, good and fun. I don't know yeah, how the gaming industry works. but uh, The development team is ZA slash UM. I don't know how to pronounce it. Z-A slash U-M. I don't know if it's pronounced ZAUM or I don't know. But they've only made this game. They've, they have not. It's published and oh, developed really? by the same team and they have not made any other games. So it's a one hit so far. One hit wonder. I know that in the indie film industry, if you have a decent film that someone wants to buy and distribute, sometimes they'll come in and polish you up a little bit before they distribute. So it may be the yeah. same in gaming. Nowadays, if you have an indie an indie film hit, they make you make a Marvel movie. So maybe these guys are making yeah. a, a Marvel game. <laughs> that would be... Yeah, right? I wouldn't so be I mean, surprised. That's what the They're all the same we damn went, companies went. anyway these days. The Hearthstone guys who went and made an indie studio, and then their first game is a Marvel yeah, game. Yeah, fucking Marvel snap. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I finished watching. Since we're in just one more thing, I finished watching uh, Secret War, uh, Secret Wars, Secret, Secret Wars, Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. Secret Wars That's right. Is be the movie That's why. Later. I yeah. 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 Enjoyed. It did leave on a cliffhanger it. enough. I have not finished it yet, but Jordan said he didn't like the ending. Uh, is cliffhanger like ending. Particularly, uh, particularly Spider Man. I think. I think you didn't like the CG in the last episode. But uh, I don't know. Uh, don't nothing jumped out at me, not. but I was also drawing while I was watching it, so I may have missed the bad CG. Um, that happens sometimes. But uh, I liked where they were going with it, and it made me excited for the next movie that they're going to release somehow. They got me on board. Damn them. Um, anyway, 
So cool. Well, that's some good. Just one more thing, fellas. Thanks for sharing. Uh, and Pepe, I'll have to check out the game. It was Elysium. What? Disco, Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium. Okay. Yeah. Got it. I'll remember. Okay, cool. Well, more stuff to add to the queue. It's a never-ending yeah. story. The never-ending queue. Love it. Keep, keep, them, keep them coming, fellas. All right. So now we are actually to the point where Dorothy's going to kick Columbo out with this gem from Hollywood. The annals of Hollywood past. I think I'll miss you most of all. I know Steven doesn't listen to the show, but that joke was for him. Uh, Dorothy, <laughs> Dorothy is letting us know it's time to say goodbye. And no, I'm not crying because it's the end of the show. I just got some dust from Deli's air in my eyes somehow. Just straight from the movie to my eyes. That's how that works. Anyway, <laughs> let's start with Mr. Devin Schwartz. Don't think about that one too much. I've been Devin Schwartz. Uh, you can find me at pandimensionalpanpizza.tumblr.com and game over, man, game over. All right, so James Pepe, what have you got for us uh, on the saying of the goodbyes? <laughs> the saying of the goodbyes? Uh, I have been and still am James Pepe. Um, thanks, for, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming out and listening or watching and hope to see you again in a fortnight when we watch my fucking sick-ass documentary. <laughs> Can't wait. All right, we'll yeah. see where it lands. Are we going to hurt Pepe or are we going to... Are we gonna, Put him on a pedestal. Oh, no, Tune in next me. show and we'll find out. Her, her, the solemn so ritual of the saying of the goodbyes is complete. <laughs> and this has been I'll look at yours if you look at mine. And now that you've looked at ours, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to smash that like button, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, give us a five-star review. That's the important one. Dot your eyes, cross your T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. Today's parting sentiment, as we close today's show, remember, in the words of all that breathes, life is kinship. We're all a community of air. So until next time, keep breathing. That's an important one, too. Keep watching and keep laughing. And do remember to watch Brothers Keeper 1992, now streaming on Tubi for next week's show. Until next time, keep on looking.